Welcome to a special NBA edition of the Fancy Dogs podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mason. And today is a special episode. We're going to recap everything that's happened in the, the NBA offseason so far. And today here to join me is Anthony Rowe. Anthony, I'm sure you're very excited with everything that, that's happened so far, uh, you know, with all the moves made, especially for your favorite team. Oh, man, it's uh, it's an exciting offseason. It's been a while. You know, as a Lakers fan, I guess just to throw that out there first, uh, you know, it, it's been such a long time since we've been good, you know, and with everything that happened, I think just in, in the year alone, if you're a Lakers fan, uh, you know, a true Lakers fan, you know, not the ones that kind of joined us on the LeBron train, but the ones that have been with us for since day one, you know, sat through six rough years. Uh, this this last season was special. And then, yeah, this offseason gave you hopes for a repeat. So I'm excited. I'm excited for, for next year. I'm excited for the season. I wish we had a little bit longer of an offseason to give, you know, LeBron some rest. But, yeah, I'm liking where the team's at. Yeah, lucky. Luckily for us NBA fans, training camp starts in a little over a week. So, basketball is going to be coming back very soon. We've seen all the moves that happened in a short amount of time, and even on this podcast while we're recording, there's a chance of something something happening. So, just to give the viewers a little timestamp here, it is currently 4:52 p.m. Pacific time on a on Monday, the 23rd. And who knows, Anthony, we could break down some, you know, breaking news that happens, uh, you know, during this time. So uh, it's very exciting times that we have right now. Yeah, I got my, my Woj bomb tweets ready. Uh, got the notifications on, wait, waiting for him to drop something. But yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride. I'm excited. Hopefully some more stuff goes down before the start of the season. Yeah, so let's start out with just looking at the NBA draft that happened recently. Um, we saw... Anthony Edwards be selected first by the Minnesota Timberwolves. James Wiseman went second to the Golden State Warriors and LaMelo Ball went third to Charlotte. And there was, it was a pretty mellow draft. I feel like for the most part, you know, not as many of the feels with, you know, I feel like the big moment going on stage due to COVID and all that, but let's look at some of these uh, teams that made, made, had some top picks and got some impact players. So let's start with, you know, Anthony Edwards. Um, they got a player who doesn't necessarily need the ball, you know, as much, and they can kind of, you know, rely on D'Angelo Russell to be, you know, their main focal point of the offense. Anthony, any thoughts about Anthony Edwards going here to Minnesota? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he works or how he fits there. Uh, he's not really like an off-ball shooter. Uh, he definitely has, you know, an NBA-sized body. Uh, I think it will be an intriguing fit. I, I'm just curious to know with where their team is, is if they're going to decide – you know, is it going to be one of those things where they draft the guy and he plays a little bit and then, you know, before the trade deadline, does he get moved? Is that a potential? I know Minnesota was all about kind of in win now to kind of keep Towns there. So I'm, I'm interested to see. I think it, I think Edwards is a good player. I think he can be good. He has the NBA body for sure. Um, I'm sure his game's a little bit raw, but with that team in particular, how young they are, uh, I just, especially with how loaded the West is, I don't see them as a roster that can compete you know, for a championship, but I'm, I'm curious to know if they'll use him, you know, say he goes off the first half of the season and maybe he gets shipped. That's something I, I see can happen with him. And it would make sense for the, the Timberwolves too. Yeah. Edwards athleticism is off the charts uh, in testing, you know, pre-draft it, he was like way ahead of, you know, most people at that stage in their careers uh, as far as, you know, those key um, stats, but 
the the T-Wolves, like you said, they're in a win-now mode. Their first-round pick is top three protected uh, with Golden State this year, so they have no incentive to be a bottom team uh, in the league. And they also had a very strange trade, bringing back Ricky Rubio to Minnesota. It seems like they have a lot of guards now, and I just don't know if if they're in a win-now mode. I feel like Ricky Rubio might be seeing some more minutes than Anthony Edwards. And they also brought back Malik Beasley, gave him a big contract. So Minnesota is a very intriguing team, especially with, you know, like you said, the looming um, potential of Carl Anthony Towns maybe demanding a trade out of there uh, later down the road. Let's move on to the second pick. And that was James Wiseman to Golden State. Anthony, you know my thoughts about James Wiseman. And to recap for, for the viewers, I'm not the biggest fan of the pick, but Anthony, talk me into it. Give me give me the pros of James Wiseman. Yeah, I mean, pros are, I think we've talked about this a lot, is big men are, it's hard to find, right? It's it's very hard to find. Now, the thing is with the draft is with big men, you're, it's a high risk, high reward move. You could take a big man, select them, and they can turn out to be, you know, Jaleel Okafor or Nerlens Noel. Uh, but on the flip side, uh, you can look at the raw ability and they can be an Anthony Davis. They can be a Joel Embiid. They can be someone great. And I think that's kind of where I am with James Wiseman. Obviously, we don't have a lot to go off of with his college production, but I love the fact that he's coming from a pro style kind of offense in college with Penny Hardaway. Uh, you know, he's been, he's been coached by Hardaway, I think since even high school, he's done AAU with him uh, and seeing how athletic he is. He's not just a, you know, a floppy big that, you know, is just running out there. He's athletic. He can run the floor. He can block shots. And the thing that's kind of interesting too, is he's a lefty. Uh, not a lot of left-handed players, but you think about a lot of the left-handed players and you know, they're kind of hard to guard. I think what one of these thoughts I was actually thinking about was, you know, maybe he's comparable to Kevin Garnett. Maybe he's comparable to Chris Bosh. And these are obviously ceiling picks. I was kind of thinking about it. Maybe worst case, what if he's Lamar Odom, uh, a big 6'10 guy that can handle the ball. Uh, and I, I don't know how good his ball handling is, but that would be a good floor if you can be anything close to Lamar Odom. But he's just good, man. He's athletic. I think he fits. Uh, it's the first kind of athletic center the Warriors have had, which I think is, you know, a good need. And, and just looking at the teams in the West, there's a lot of great centers out there. Um, and I think that's something the Warriors are probably looking at. You know, they have, unfortunately, I mean, obviously they had Clay and Steph, but that's kind of a, you know, not going into this year. But you still have Wiggins, you still have uh, Oubre, and you have Draymond. And I think adding that big, because, you know, you need someone that's going to be able to guard Anthony Davis. Uh, guard, you know, Jokic to guard Porzingis, you know, these guys. And then Draymond's shown time and again, he could do it, but he's also aging. I just think the pick makes a lot of sense. He's an athletic big that could score. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, I think his ceiling, it's going to be a raw first year, but I think he's going to be good. Yeah. Centers in the league scare me just in general. And I know, you know, they do have the highest ceiling if they reach it. They're studs, they're rare commodities to come across. I just get nervous about a couple of things. One, the league is in a direction where centers aren't as you know much of a necessity anymore. They're very easy to find replacements. We've seen guys like Tristan Thompson, Aaron Baines, Montrez Harrell sign these very cheap contracts. And I thought that was one way maybe the Warriors could improve. You did bring up Wiseman's athleticism, and I agree. He is a freak of nature. He is incredibly fast, like and and coordinated. So 
that gives me hope for his ability to guard players on the perimeter. It's not there right now. I don't think it's going to be there this year, but to be a center playing meaningful minutes in a playoff game, you have to be able to keep up with guys on the perimeter in switches and not be played off the floor because center is the easiest position to play off. And I know you brought up, you know, guys like Jokic and Anthony Davis, but it, it's when you have a center like Wiseman and you're guarding Jokic, Jokic will probably not be in the paint that much. He'll be at the perimeter. He'll be setting up his passes. He'll be, you know, the potential to shoot. And that will drag Wiseman out of the paint. So that for Jokic in particular, that kind of makes me a little worried. And I just don't know if, Wiseman is ready offensively. He's going to be that just screen and roll guy, the lob guy. He's, I don't know if he has the post game. I know there's rumors about his handles, his shot being, you know, really well. I think I'm just going to need to see it in order to fully get behind the pick. He, he should be a solid player in the NBA. And there's, there's no doubts about that. I know I've probably overreacted a little bit with some of my takes, but it's just, kind of just me questioning what direction the Warriors were going to go. Because if the Warriors were picking a player in the potential of trading that player for, you know, a superstar, I think this is the wrong pick because Wiseman may take a couple of years to fully show us where he's going to be. If they, if, if they wanted to do that, I think LaMelo would have been the best pick because I feel like we could have seen his potential a lot earlier than Wiseman's. And maybe that gives us, you know, the asset to then trade for a Bradley Beal down the road. And I don't know if Wiseman can do that. Well, and I think well, what you're getting with Wiseman is look at the Warriors the lot that that their championship run of five years. And you're talking about guys like Bogut, McGee, uh, Kevon Looney. Uh, these guys that are are solid, cheap bigs you can get on the cheap, but their shelf life is very short. I think what you're looking at is I think Wiseman talent-wise is 10 times better than any of those guys. What, what they were at their best, you know, was, was okay. Like McGee was, you know, a laughing stock before he came to Golden State. Uh, and then he went to the Warriors, and then now look at him. He's a champion, the, what, three-time champion, I think. Uh, you know, he's proven it. Kevon Looney, you know, he had some talent, but he just has had, you know, knee issues and can't stay healthy. Bogut, another guy that was a, a good – he was good on the Bucks back in the day, uh, but was never really like a – top five, top 10 kind of center. Uh, then he goes to the Warriors and becomes a champion. I think Wiseman's coming into a point at 19 years old, which is crazy. Um, coming in at 19 with the, you know, his frame too, which is, which is also a thing where I'm kind of like, wow, you know, he's coming in ready is most of the time you look at guys like Giannis, AD, their first year in the league, they were skinny. This guy's coming in, looks way more fit than any of those guys did in his rookie year. It's definitely going to be – I don't expect him going out there and putting up 20 and 10. I think it's going to be – if you're – for his kind of production, he's going to have to put up close to a double-double, but more so like 10 and 10, just because their offense isn't about force-feeding it to the post. Um, you know, especially with Curry and with Wiggins as a scorer and Oubre as a scorer, uh, he's not going to be asked to score a lot, which is going to be interesting to see uh, because he's going to be asked to play – the McGee minutes and the Bogut minutes. Um, but I just think he's more talented than them, which is get, which kind of gives me hope because I think he could fit right in. And he's young, athletic at 19. I think it's a great move. Uh, but, yeah, if they're going to make him the franchise, 
maybe not year one, but year two, they're definitely going to have to look to start seeing if he can score them buckets on a consistent basis. Yeah, we see, you know, with big men, it's the unicorns that can play down the stretch. It's the guys that can either have a such an impact offensively where if they're bad at defense, that they make up for that with their offensive impact and vice versa. And I think those four guys, you know, that are unicorns right now, it's Jokic, who's, you know, a monster offensively. You have Anthony Davis, who plays the small ball center, but is we know his offensibility and his defense. He can switch on the perimeter. He can do all that. We have, you know, Bam Adebayo, who uh, is can be able to switch any on any switch on any screen. You know, he can guard the perimeter and all that. You also have, you know, Porzingis with his offensive ability. And I think a guy that can maybe creep up there is Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, is, as long as he returns back healthy. But it's going to come down to those one of those skills. Wiseman's going to need to either be an elite offensive presence or he's going to need, need to be able to switch on to perimeter guys, uh, you know, if in the playoffs when it comes to that. But we talked a lot here about Wiseman. Let's move on to LaMelo Ball. Uh, this is a great pick for Charlotte. You know, Charlotte's kind of a boring team. They're a small market. They're, they really don't attract too much. And I think it's going to be a show from day one as far as relevancy for the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the cool thing about Ball, I was, I'm a huge Lonzo Ball guy. You know, when he was drafted by the Lakers, I mean, coming out of college from UCLA, he was, you know, someone that could – he was shooting 41% of, from three uh, in college. And, I mean, granted, it was one year, but there was no signs. Obviously, he had a weird shot, but when you're shooting a good percentage, you can fool anybody into believing that you're a good shooter, which obviously got exposed in the NBA. Um, but what we saw with Lonzo was he's a great passer, great defender. Uh, and then Lamelo is kind of an opposite. I mean, he's, he's a great passer. Uh, but now he's more of a scorer than Lonzo is. Um, but what he lacks on defense, he makes up for an offense. And I think that's what's kind of exciting. He's a, he's one of those guys that's really, really interesting because we've never – I don't know if we've ever seen a prospect like him that's traveled so much. I think they – I think someone was talking about that. It might have been ESPN. They, like, were talking about how far he's traveled uh, since being, like, what, a junior? Because I think that's when he got pulled out of school was, like, his junior year, played Lithuania – and I will say, I, I watch Ball in the Family, by the way, which is on uh, Facebook Watch. And I started watching that when Lonzo Ball was a rookie, and it follows basically the family uh, ever since Lonzo's been drafted. Now, it doesn't cover him in depth. Obviously, it's like 20-minute episodes, but it is kind of funny to watch because I watched a lot of LaMelo Ball like highlights when he was in Lithuania. And then they did the JBA thing, which was kind of funny. Uh, I, You know what, Nick? We probably could have played in that, to be honest with you. They, they were really pretty shitty players in that, in that league. Uh, I what was a junior basketball association. It, you know, it was, it was a rough, it was a rough go of it, but I, I, that's the only concern I have for him is that he has played a lot of undisciplined basketball. Um, he seems like a bit of a wild card, not as disciplined as, as Lonzo, but I think Charlotte's the best, best case scenario for him. I think it's the best fit. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he can do there. Cause he just, it just makes a lot of sense. Because they're, you know, he, they're in the East. He could honestly take them to the playoffs this year and have 30 wins, you know. So the pressure is not on him, unlike it is with, like, Wiseman, who he's expected to go to. It's championship or bust or playoff or bust. So I'm excited to see what he can do over there in, in Charlotte. Yeah, you have to remember, too, you know, uh, LaMelo Ball 
as you brought up his defense, Alonzo wasn't the best defender coming out of college. So there's, I think, hope for him to improve that. And you brought up, you know, the unorganized ball uh, that he was playing, you know, overseas. And that's also a good point. But we've seen that in the past with guys like Ben Simmons who go to LSU and don't try. And they, you know, then they're in the right situation. They're in the league and they work on that and they become, you know, these these more efficient players. I just think the the upside of him is higher than anyone in this draft. Mike Schmitz of ESPN had him as his, you know, number one ranked player by far. And if you're trying to get, you know, like a franchise changing player, I think he's the guy. I think just the passing ability, the fast break ability, as long as he's, you know, a decent rebounder or sorry, a decent defender, you know, he's going to be a good player in this league. Anthony, any final thoughts on the NBA draft? Uh, no, it, it was definitely a weird uh thing normally it's with covid we would have seen the march madness probably would have had a better understanding of the draft but yeah march madness killed kind of everything well covid kind of ruined everything but yeah no i think it's gonna be interesting i'm interested to see how the rest of these players go um i'm, I'm excited to watch Lamelo and wiseman play out don't really know too much about you know edwards a whole lot outside of just kind of the physical attributes and some of the highlights i've seen from him over in, at georgia but yeah, no, not, not too much else. I'm excited to get into more of the the trades and free agency signings. Yeah, so let's move on to our next segment. And we're going to just go over uh, five of our teams that we both think is, you know, the most intriguing, the best moves after, you know, this point in free agency. And we'll also go over our three worst teams and we'll do a little, you know, tribute to Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe likes to do, you know, a preseason you know, most intriguing teams list where, you know, him and his guests don't know who the other person picked going into it. So that's what we're going to do here. And to start this off, I think we both have this team number one on our list. We've already alluded to them earlier in the podcast. It's the defending champion, Los Angeles Lakers. Anthony, I'll go ahead, kick it off to you to just break down, you know, some of these moves that they've made. Yeah. It just feels nice that you said defending champions. I just like that. It's a, it's a good tune. I haven't heard since high school, which is nice. Um, but yeah, no, they've, I mean, as far as reloading the team goes, I think they've done one of the best jobs uh, at kind of reshuffling the deck uh, of, of kind of bringing back the team. You know, seeing that we lost, you know, Danny Green, uh, Dwight, Rondo, and McGee to upgrade or kind of stay even and bring in guys that are a little bit younger. You know, we went from Trading for Schroeder was huge. You know, getting Danny Green's contract off the books. I mean, a guy I know Schroeder and him are making similar, I think, kind of deals. But to bring him in, you know, he was runner-up, I think, six-man of the year. Uh, then bringing in Montrez Harold, who is the reigning six-man player of the year. Um, and getting Marcus Saul, which I think is a great veteran asset. You know, Dwight and him are similar age. Not as athletic, but Marcus Saul, you know, good passer, can set screens. He's only going to be asked to play like 15 minutes. Uh, and and resigning KCP, you know, KCP has been with the team for a while and he's 27 years old. And I think that's a great signing. Good three and D guy uh, gets along with, with the rest of the team. So I, I you know, it's going to be good to see them. I think they've just made a great restructuring of the team, bringing in younger guys, <clears throat> you know, to build around uh, Anthony Davis. Cause I know that that's going to be a big thing for AD is he wants to see how the team is before he signs the deal. I think that's the thing I'm most anticipated in seeing is, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to resign. However, I've, I was a Lakers fan when we got Chris Paul and that did not happen. So I, I'm not, there's, it's a 99% probably he's going to resign, but there is a 1% of me that's like, this guy may 
end up in a warrior's uniform and I'll be upset about it and <clears throat> probably never talk to anybody again because I will be forever sad if that happens. But no, I, I think, you know, as far as everything else goes, I think they've made the right moves uh, so far this offseason. That would be nice to see him in a, a warrior uniform, but I think it's unlikely. Yeah, I mean, it's very rare you see a team that just won the championship improve on so many levels. You know, they have Schroeder coming in now for replacing Rondo, and you're getting more of a need. You guys needed more scoring, more shooting. And while Rondo was nice to have, that's something you guys lacked in, and you had to rely a lot on LeBron and AV to do the scoring. So I think that's a, a huge get uh, as your first move. Then you go sign Montrez Harrell, steal him from the you know Los Angeles Clippers, your crosstown rivals, and he's replacing Dwight Howard. And I think you know that's great, and it also fits. You know, Dwight Howard is an energy guy. Montrez Harrell can be an energy guy. I think you'll miss Dwight Howard's energy if you're getting Montrez Harrell from the bubble. But he's more of a scorer on offense, and like I, I think the great thing about this is. You guys last year had to stagger Anthony Davis and LeBron. And now I feel like you don't have to do that. I feel like you can have Anthony Davis play all of his minutes with LeBron. You can have Schroeder and Montrez run that second unit and dominate. And on top of that, you guys get Marcus Gasol to replace JaVale McGee. I just think you guys won every move. Bring back KCP. I know you guys did lose Avery Bradley, but man, that's a great offseason. Props, props to Rob Palenka, props to the Lakers organization. Great moves. It's exciting. Well, and now on top of that too, you know, we're, we're bringing back Casey or sorry, KCP's coming back, but Caruso, you know, Caruso and Kuzma, two key players that are on expiring rookie deals this year that who knows, you know, maybe the Lakers got some flexibility that are, there's still more moves, maybe whatever Rob Palinka has up his sleeve. I'm excited to see, but yeah, with, you know, you can't forget about Caruso who's been a good bright spot for us. I think he can move into that Avery Bradley role. Uh, obviously not the score Avery Bradley is, but, he does the dirty work, um, but yeah, I'm excited to see them. I think they, I think they got some more moves up their sleeves. But yeah, I think this team right now is probably the best team on paper from player one to twelve. I think I've seen uh, as a Lakers fan. Yeah, you brought up a good point about Kuzma, who I forgot, and that's um, I think he's going to go into the the season on your guys's roster. But that will be an interesting, you know, trade deadline. I think person you guys can use to improve your roster so like you said i think it might not happen now but i think you guys still have room to make a big move before um we get to playoff time let's move on to another team anthony give me a team off of your list let's see if they're on my list if we differ for the same go for it uh the one i didn't have these in order but i, I went with the portland trailblazers okay uh, so i did not have the trailblazers on my list but sell me on it yeah, I mean, big thing for them is, you know, they traded for Robert Covington and Enos Kanter. Uh, I think those are two huge moves, uh, adding to a roster that made a hot run in the bubble. Uh, you know, Kanter was last with them when they went to the Western Conference Finals and lost to the Warriors. I think he's a good, solid big. You know, the one thing that they missed was they continuously tried to go, you know, when Jokic was there, they didn't have anyone to back him up. You know, they went to Whiteside, that didn't work out. Uh, they kept running into issues at that backup center spot. Uh, and I think that's going to be a good move for them. You know, he's cantered on the Celtics. He's a good, you know, 15, 20 minute guy. He'll give you some good value. He works, he plays hard, good rebounders, sets good screens. I think that's going to be 
a good move for them there. And then Robert Covington, someone that also size could play the four. If they need to go small, he could probably play a little at the five. Um, but he's one that can stretch the floor. They needed a three-point shooter that was consistent, a little bit more lockdown, but can also play defense. He kind of brings it all. So I like those two moves uh, for them in particular, getting them. And then they signed, uh, you know, they re-signed Carmelo Anthony, which is a good score. And Derek Jones, you know, he's coming off the heat, um, you know, not super big guy, but he's athletic. You know, I think they added some more veteran pieces to that team to sure up the rest of it. Cause I think last year, I feel like when we were watching them in the bubble, it just felt like there's a lot of rookies that they kept having play. Uh, you know, they have Wayne and Gabriel. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is really good, so he'll stay in there. But they just felt like they had a lot of randos kind of just jumping in the game. So it was kind of like, you know, you're kind of looking them up uh, as they would come in. So I think this kind of shores up, gives them some more veteran pieces. And I, I just like the move for them because I think next year they're going to be one of those playoff teams in the West, you know. Someone that will make a run first, second round, um, especially with these moves. How dare you mention Derek Jones on this podcast after, <laughs> you know, our experiences with him in DraftKings and stuff like that. But um, so, yes, the Blazers improved. They added depth, something they desperately needed. And I think the Robert Covington trade was amazing. And they definitely improved. They're, they're showing that they're trying to win it all with Dame. And I respect that. I just don't have them as one of my top five most intriguing teams. And this might be just like, because all I see on Twitter is the Blazers won the off season. Neil O'Shea is doing an amazing job, you know, and these moves seem very minor to me. And maybe, you know, the minor moves are the most important. I do love the Rob Covington trade and his Cantor's okay. Derek Jones is okay. They're lucky they're getting back Rodney Hood from the Achilles injury. I, I They're definitely going to be one of the best teams in the West just maybe the hype from other people has kind of soured me on them being one of the best, uh, you know, teams this off season, but go ahead. Give me another team on your list, Anthony. Let's, let's move on to someone else. Um, I think we, we both have these guys, uh, the Sixers. Yes. Uh, I, like, I like the Sixers. I think they made, on them. they made some good moves. They got rid of Al Horford, which was great. Um, I think that's all you really have to say for, for them. Uh, getting rid of Al Horford was perfect. Got, got out of that contract. Uh, Seth Curry is a super underrated player. Uh, I'm surprised the Mavs let him, let him get away. Uh, if you're a Mavs fan, I'm sure you're kind of upset with that because he's been good. He actually has, what, a better three-point percentage career-wise than Steph, I think. Um, he's a really good shooter. I think he's a good player off the bench. And then, you know, Danny Green, you know, as a Laker fan, obviously – he struggled, had some injuries, but if you're looking for a vet that can shoot uh, and spread the floor, I think he's great for that. Uh, and I think that's going to be great. And then even Dwight, you know, they got Danny Green and Dwight Howard from us, which are both great veteran players, which I think they strongly need. Uh, and just looking at what Dwight was able to provide us in the postseason, that's what the 76ers more need more than Al Horford just sitting at the three-point line. So I think him going in there is going to be huge. I, 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 like, I just like the moves all around that they made to kind of give Ben Simmons and Embiid uh, some more weapons. Yeah. And, you know, we came into this off season with the question mark being, are they going to move on from one of Joel and Ben? And I think, Oh, wow. They got lucky that Daryl Morey got out of his contract, man. Uh, what a job he's done already. Uh, the biggest need for the Sixers was shooting and that Al Horford trade, being able to move, get off his contract. And, you know, as a Laker fan, I know you have maybe like not a hate, per se for Danny Green but a dislike he's coming in before the the Seth Curry trade he was coming in as their best three-point shooter which 
is insane to say, but they've had no perimeter, you know, threats. And when you have these talents like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, you need shooting around them and getting not only Danny Green, but you get Seth Curry. It's just, wow. I'm, I'm excited for the Sixers team. This is exactly what they needed. You know, they did give up uh, Josh Richardson, who is a very good player, but uh, he, the shooting is worth it. You have enough of those, you know, defending type, you know, players. You have Ben Simmons who can do that on his own and Matisse Seibel there who can replace that Josh Richardson type role. And they, they needed the shooting and they got it. And I'm excited to see, uh, you know, how it works out because Daryl does a really good job of, you know, finding, you know, these, these wasteland guys that no one wants like Daniel house and Ben McElmore, Jeff green. He's the king of reviving, you know, these people. So I think the Sixers are really, really looking good going into next year. Uh, Let's move on to another team. Who else do you have on your list, Anthony? Uh, I have the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. That's another team I like or that's intriguing to me this year. Yeah. um, They are not on my list, but Let's see. Let's see what you have to say about them. Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime a team in the East makes their team better, they're going to be in a good spot. The East is probably the weakest I've ever seen it. Uh, they're very top-heavy, so there's always room for one of those bottom teams to just jump right into the playoffs. And not even just that, they can make a first-round, you know, they can win a first-round game, potentially. Uh, I like them because they, they already had a decent young roster. You know, they had Clint Capella, uh, you, you add to this roster and bring in Daniel Gaunari, who's he's an okay veteran. You know, I'm not super like sold on him, but I think he's good. Good veteran could shoot, stretch the floor. Uh, and like I said, in the East, you're not, you don't really need blow away guys all the time. Uh, but I think bringing in Rondo and Chris Dunn, some good veteran wings uh, to help out Trey Young, I think that's going to be great for him. Um, you know, and then they drafted Oneke. I always say that name. I don't know if I said that right at all. Um, Onyeka. Oneke. Yeah. However you say it. Uh, either way, he's going to be a young, solid center. You know, I we saw the comparisons uh, in the draft. I think, you know, me and you were talking about it. Bam Adebayo was someone that came up uh, as his kind of comp, and I think he's going to be great. <laughs> Obviously, it's going to take him some time to develop, but I think they're building a really solid young core uh, and then adding to that veterans. So I think it makes for a good mix of the Hawks will be in the playoffs next year in the Eastern Conference. Uh and there'll be someone it'll be nice to kind of see Hawks versus, you know, Charlotte first round Eastern Conference. That'd be a good, you know, good little playoff matchup uh, with, you know, Trey versus LaMelo. I think that that would be interesting. Yeah, so I'll get into my thoughts about why the Hawks aren't on my list. But Onyeka was, you know, Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Cavoni's number one center ahead of Wiseman coming into the draft. So the BAM, the BAM comparisons are there. Uh, he's a very intriguing prospect, but the only problem is they have Clint Capella. They have John Collins. I just don't know how he's going to see the floor, uh, this year, unless one of them gets moved, who's going to, you know, John Collins deserves to be playing the whole time. And I think they got to maybe move Capella just to give this guy some minutes, but, you know, adding Danilo adding Rondo, those are some nice pickups, but this just has like a very, Sacramento Kings vibe to it you know a young team just spending money on these older veterans and I'm just not sold that it's going to work out I think you know Rondo in an environment that's not necessarily like a winning environment like he was with the Lakers is kind of scary because we've seen him just be like you know 
dusty in the regular season with these like, you know, subpar teams. So I'm afraid, you know, he's not going to feel motivated here with this Hawks team, even though he did get, you know, a nice paycheck. I'm just not sure if he'll carry that over here. And, you know, Trey Young's going to have to adapt a little bit. He's been playing, you know, a Russell Westbrook type-esque role because that's exactly what the Hawks wanted him to do. They wanted him to be, you know, using the ball all the time, shooting, passing, distributing, creating everything on offense. And I feel like he's going to have to adapt a little bit if he's going to share the court with Rondo and Danilo is going to, you know, demand some usage as well. So that's that's why my thoughts are on the Hawks. Anthony, any any counter to what I said there? You know, any truth you see there? Uh, I mean, I, I, it's going to be an interesting mix. Like I said, it's, it's a lot of young and a lot of old kind of mix there. But I think the one difference to me, I think they will either move off of Capella with the moves – because, yeah, you're right. It is interesting why they would draft the center with John Collins, with Clint Capella. Um, I'm intrigued to see if I think Capella may be someone that's on the block for them, potentially down the road. Uh, I think you kind of yeah. I think right now what you have to do is we kind of have to pay attention to the what's being what moves are being made and what that might mean for other players. I could see them as someone that if they get off to a bad start, I think Capella will be gone. Uh, but I, I like him as a prospect. I think someone will take on Capella's deal. Uh, but either, either way, even if they keep it all together, Travis Schlenk, he's a, he's a former warrior, you know, yep. GM. I think he knows what he's doing. Uh, and to be thrown, you know, the Kings are the Kings. We'll get to them. But I, I think they 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 have a strategy in mind. I think they'll be okay. It will be interesting to see the mix of the veterans playing with that young team. But, yeah, I, I think it, it will be interesting to see how it goes. But I, I, I trust Travis Schlenk, however you say his last name. Yeah, it's I, I get that. Um, former Warrior, I do want to give him love, but he did trade out of the pick for Luka Doncic, so we'll see. Let's move on to, I think, your last team. Let's see who you have. I have the Phoenix Suns. Okay, they were on my list as well, so tell the viewers why you're high on the Kings. I'm uh, sorry, no, not the Kings. Oh, God. <laughs> no, the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about the Sacramento Queens yet. Uh, but basically, the, the Suns have always been, they, you know, we're always a team kind of in despair. But they, the last couple of years, you know, with Devin Booker, it's been kind of like grim. They drafted DeAndre Ayton over Luka Doncic, and that was kind of weird. But last year, I think they made a great move by bringing in Monty Williams. Uh, I really like him, and I think he's a good players coach, and players like playing for him. Uh, you know, they had Kelly Oubre, uh, and they had a hot bubble push. You know, they look good, uh, you know, they top to bottom, you know, they had guys playing, they had a lot of good DraftKings players for us. Uh, you know, they, they did everything that we needed them to do in the bubble. Uh, you know, I think we were betting on a lot of their players each and every night. And, you know, they're running it back. And this time you're telling me they have Chris Paul. That's a great addition. We just saw what Chris Paul did with the Thunder team that nobody expected to make the playoffs, let alone be, you know, competitive, right? So that was a great move by them and then bringing in Jay Crowder. I think that's another great move by them. Uh, another veteran three and D guy that they, they definitely need. If you're going to lose Kelly Oubre, obviously he's not as athletic as him, but a good tough three and D guy. And what you're bringing to a young team is toughness Two guys that are all about like not being afraid to get shit dirty. And I think that's something Devin Booker needs and Deandre Ayton and they got Cam Johnson, who's going to be good. Uh, I think Dario Sarkic renewed his deal. Just resigned, yep. He resigned, and that's a good signing for them too. So you're seeing this team go in the right direction. I, I love 
I think Chris Paul has a few more good years in him, and I think he can take this team, make this team a seventh or eighth seed. Yeah, uh, you know, you nailed it right there with the Suns. I think, you know, they desperately needed this veteran leadership with Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, and you know, that's that what they're doing here is they're kind of just showing Devin Booker, we're gonna do what it takes to build a team around you. I don't know if they're going to spend the money necessarily because there's a history there with Robert Sarver not wanting to go over the luxury tax, but they're at least willing to make some moves and be a little aggressive so that with the hopes, I know he did just resign that super max, but with these superstars, you got to worry about, you know, once they hit unrestricted free agency, because that's where, you know, we see players leave these small markets and Devin Booker, you know, might be on, might be out of out of phoenix in the future so they're at least showing an effort to build a team around him and you know they they were able to move off of Ubre because of the play of cam johnson who you know showed us in the bubble that he's you know hopefully a real player and i'm actually i know they did mess up picking deandre Ayton over luca but he is a force offensively i think he has the potential to be we talked about the unicorns offensively. He could be there. I don't know about defense yet. That's something we still need to see, but he is a very talented offensive big man who can have an impact and just adding Chris Paul to help his development too is going to be huge. So the Suns, very rare. We include them. I feel like as one of the winning teams, at least as of recently, but shout out to them, shout out to them for, you know, uh, being able to take a risk on, you know, a, a Chris Paul. Cause I think that was a, a huge gift for them. Now let's go into a couple of the teams that I had on my list that uh, Anthony didn't include. And my first one, it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think the big storyline coming into this offseason was, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo and whether or not he would sign the Supermax. And now, you know, I don't think we even have to worry about that unless he actually comes out and tells the Bucks he wants out of Milwaukee because the Bucks have proved that they are all in. They've traded three unprotected picks and the rights to two pick swaps later in the future for drew holiday a player who as anthony knows i am really high on but that is a lot to give up for drew holiday and you know they had this whole thing with uh bogdan bogdanovich you know trying to sign him but i guess that's failed and now he's with atlanta and I still think they, they've made some questionable moves, but what they've proved is that they're at least willing to make changes. Um, they're willing, you know, Eric Bledsoe was a negative these past two playoff seasons. And, you know, Drew Holiday does a lot of the same stuff as Eric Bledsoe, so I don't know if they've necessarily gotten better, but Drew Holiday is one of the most respected defenders in the league. You know, Andre Iguodala recently on the Bill Simmons podcast was asked, you know, what defenders are up there with him Kawhi, Scotty Pippen, and the the person he named was Drew. So that's a lot of respect coming from Andre. I think he, the Bucks are better than they were last year, and they've shown a willingness to improve the team around Giannis and make it hard for him to you know consider leaving. Anthony, any thoughts on the Bucks? Football broken there. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the Bucks. They're they're interesting. Uh, they definitely made a big push for trying to make Giannis feel comfortable staying. Uh, the the team on paper right now is definitely great. The only downside for them is if uh, Giannis has until December twenty first, I believe, to sign that max extension. If he has not signed that by then, 
I would be nervous. But uh, what this move does is even if he doesn't sign, it shows that they're keeping him, which I think is at least for this season, which is, I think a positive for Bucks fans because there was some nerve that if they didn't make this move and he didn't sign, I think it would be a hovering thing over the season. You know, is he leaving? Is he going? And I think at least they've shown that they're all in with this move, but go ahead and continue. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's definitely a move that where they're saying, Hey, you know, we're here to keep you. Um, but it's also, I don't know how much Giannis, Giannis doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that really pushes to have roster decisions like, you know, some other guys might have. Um, but they definitely made a lot of moves. They spent a lot of draft capital. That's their hope is now what they're going to do is sell them on the roster. Uh, but yeah, I think he, he doesn't seem like someone that's, will just, you know, he seems like a player that wants to be loyal to a, one team his whole career. You know, he does give me those vibes, but the recent NBA, it's kind of hard to tell. It's very rare with those players nowadays, but I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. I think he will resign, but in the off chance, if he does not, then the Bucks roster moving forward is pretty, it's going to be in a rough spot if he does yes. not resign because they gave up all that draft capital, capital um, which to be fair, if that does not work out, if he ends up not signing an extension, uh, the Pelicans are in a great plus, great spot. They're, they'd be one of those teams that they're on here <laughs> if, if uh, Giannis does not resign. But I think he will. And I, I, like, I like the Bucks on paper right now, Middleton, Drew, and, and Giannis. I think that's going to be a tough team in the, the East to beat. Yeah, it's it's all worth it if Giannis stays. I feel like you have to make a move of this caliber to you know prove to Giannis that the the Bucks are a serious organization about winning, and you know it, his legacy is in their fate basically. So I think it's a win for the Bucks, even with the draft cap capital. Not something I probably would have done, but you know they 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 had to do something. So shout out to them. And then let's move to my final team that, you know, that we didn't uh, agree on. It's the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder. And I just think Sam Presti pretty much has a near perfect resume minus the James Harden trade. And that wasn't even up to him. That was an ownership forced move that was kind of pushed down his throat that he had to make. And man, what a job he's done, you know turning Russell Westbrook and Paul George into so many draft picks. They have so many assets. You know, they've basically cleaned their roster out perfectly now. They're going to be tanking. It's, it's, and it's, you know, I think very, you, you, not a lot of teams can lose Kevin Durant, can lose James Harden, and can lose Russell Westbrook. This team that we thought would be, you know, the team of the decade. And, you know, obviously draft picks mean nothing until you select the player, but heck, they're in a whole, like a way better situation than a lot of other franchises. Yeah, I, I, I really like the Thunder's moves. It's crazy. They you they lose James Harden, and they didn't really get much back. Then even for KD, I felt like they didn't get much either, right? He, KD, they got nothing. They got nothing, right? He's signing for agency. So you're looking at those two players, and you're thinking like, oh, my gosh, the Thunder are not in a good spot. Then, you know, the, there's Oladipo, uh, Paul George, you know, the numerous players that they kind of had. But Sam Presti was able to be, you know, kind of look himself in the mirror, I felt like, and realized Westbrook is not a player you can win with. And he made – what's crazy is you, Kevin Durant, James Harden, head and shoulders way better than West, Russell Westbrook. 
And to get more for Russell than he did for Harden and Kevin Durant combined is, is crazy. Uh, to see what he's been able to flip uh, Russell Westbrook for has been amazing. And I think they're going to be in a good spot. And you think about it, now Dort can take over the team. And for those of you guys who don't know who Dort is, look him up. He is LeBron James without the hype, okay? He is, he's the next up-and-coming star, stud, young player of the league. Him and Shea Gilgis, watch out. Give him a few years. Uh, they'll add some pieces. Uh, Lou Dort, he's coming for everybody. He's a DraftKings legend if you ever played him. Uh, and I'll continue to play him in every lineup I have. Uh, and then also, uh, what's their big man's name? Uh, Baisley. Baisley. You know, they gotta, they're building something young there. Uh, you know, they got Trevor Reza, Al Horford. They got some good veterans there to help mentor those guys. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what they what happens there. I don't even know if those guys will make it, you know, throughout the season. But, yeah, I think I like what the Thunder are doing. I think they'll be good down the future. And plus, it's always cool to see a team look at the rest of the league, be like, you know what, it's your guys' time now. You guys are going to be older. Because, you know, give us two, three years. Warriors are going to be not that competitive. They're going to be older. Lakers obviously will be older uh, unless we can resign Anthony Davis. But yeah, I, I like what they're doing. Is Trevor Ariza on the Thunder? I can't keep track of him, man. He's been traded four times this offseason already. So um, yeah, he, but I think, yeah, they got some young players. It's a Lou Dort show, um, all jokes aside. But, you know, it's mainly just the fact that they've been able to rebound after, you know, losing three. Well, I'd probably say two gener generational players, but yeah, just impressive, you know, just come being able to come back from, you know, what we thought was a promising future to, uh, you know, just complete shambles. And now they're at least in a position to uh, rebuild. So props to Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's go into now our five questionable teams this offseason. Just, you know, uh, not every team's a winner. And before I get into the segment, let's just give a quick shout out to the New York Knicks for not doing anything stupid for the first time in, you know, feels like forever. Usually they would be a lock for this segment. And I have nothing bad to say about them. I feel like they've done nothing stupid. So, yeah. Any any love for the Knicks, Anthony, before we move on? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're the Knicks. It's rough. It's been a rough go of it. Um, just the oh. fact they did nothing, though, bad is good for them. I was hoping to see uh, Westbrook go there. Hopefully, I wanted. I, I was kind of interested, you know, seeing that there. But yeah, no, they they maybe by them not trading for Westbrook, that was a good enough move for them. So hats I off. Think that's, I think that's the way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, keep it up, Knicks. Hopefully, you know, we see you guys not make any stupid moves in an offseason. That'll be at least a first for my lifetime. I feel like Anthony. Give me the first team you have on your list for the most questionable offseason. Yeah, I think the first one we talked about is a team, I think, it seemed like they're always making moves. Uh, the Pistons. They Every time I looked up, I got a notification that the Pistons did something. Yep, Pistons it, are on my list too. And it, it always felt like it was the most random move. Uh, it was Some of it was guys I didn't even know were in the NBA. And then, uh, you know, they signed – the things I didn't like, what stuck out to me the most was Jeremiah Grant and – uh, is it Mason Plumley or is it Miles? Mason. One of the Plumley brothers. Uh, both of these guys coming from Denver were were they were great contributors, great role players. But you know, Grant had already had a stint with the Thunder. He had a stint with uh, Denver last year, and to give him twenty million a year 
I thought was kind of crazy. Uh, and they let uh, the, the kid from that just signed with Houston, Christian Wood, they let him walk, right? So you could, and he was less expensive than Grant was, which is mind blowing. So yeah, I just feel like they made a lot of just random moves that didn't really help the team. And also I've never been a Blake Griffin fan. So I think it, their moves started bad when back then. So their team is just um, not really good. Uh, free Derrick Rose, hashtag start that right now. Free Derrick Rose. To yeah, let's do the Lakers. Let's get him out of there. But I mean, shoot, he's their only like guard. I feel like they have, they literally added all these big men. I have absolutely no idea what the Detroit Pistons are doing. Their, their biggest mistake is letting Christian Wood walk. That makes no sense. The reason why they traded Andre Drummond, even though it was, you know, just for a second round pick was because I thought that, you know, they wanted to get Christian Wood, you know, more development. They wanted him to be their guy. And he's he's shown the flashes of being a really good contributor in the NBA. And that's a steal for the Houston Rockets. Um, Loki kind of jealous of them. I, if I knew he was available, I wish the Warriors got him. But yeah, then you you sign Mason Plumley, you sign Jaleel Okafor, Grant. I, I literally don't know what direction they're going. Um, I think they even drafted a center with the pick they got from the Luke Kennard trade. And it's, I, I can't justify really any move they made this offseason. I, I'm at utter loss of words to set and for anything positive about the, the Detroit Pistons. I mean, shoot, they're going to probably have a high pick. I guess that's good. Um, but yeah, they literally let their best asset, I feel like, walk for nothing. So yeah, on board there with you with the Pistons. Anthony, give me another team on your list. Uh, the next team I put are the Sacramento Kings. Okay. I did not have them, but go ahead. Tell our viewers why you have the Kings on your list. If you know anything about basketball, then you know why the Kings are on this list. They are probably one of the most uh, incompetent teams I've ever seen run. Uh, they, they make bad move after bad move. Look at the way they treated Boogie down the stretch of his career. You know, granted, I know he had some attitude problems, but, you know, they let him walk. He has some, he finally makes the playoffs when he leaves, you know, with the Pelicans. Obviously, I don't think Boogie got a play that year, but he helped the Pelicans become a playoff team or be a little bit more competitive. Then he had a line of just unfortunate events. Uh, you look at the coaches that leave there. Uh, Malone over in Denver is, you know, coaching a way better team. They gave up on him. Uh, you've seen them go recycle head coaches like No Tomorrow. They're, they brought in Luke Walton, which, you know, I was a, I was a, intrigued by him as a Lakers guy uh it made sense you know he seemed like he can coach young talent but now just watching how you got players like they're disinterested like Buddy Heald's been asking for a trade it feels like for two years uh they let Bogdan go they don't I just feel like they aren't sure what they're doing they made a nice draft pick an intriguing draft pick uh I forget how the guy's name off the top of my head Tyrese Halliburton uh, yes Halliburton he he's an interesting piece but it just feels like, you know, it's the same thing with the Kings every year. You know, you, you feel like you're, they're going to be competitive and then they do nothing. Uh, they got Darian Fox, who's a good young player, but they drafted Marvin Bagley. You know, they, they draft these centers, Collie Stein. It just, it's a repeating trash can uh, out there in Sacramento. And it's, they just don't make, they don't know how to get out of their own way. Now, my suggestion to them is that they should move to Vegas. We already have too many California teams. I vote 
that either the Clippers or the Sacramento Kings move out to Vegas. And I think we would be better for it. Yeah. And another guy you didn't even mention, Harry Giles uh, left yeah. the team as well. So they had a chance to pick up his option and they chose to not pick it up. And for a team that, you know, I guess they have a lot of bigs, but, you know, young talent just in general, I think is not the smart thing to do. But yeah, the Kings have been, you know, an incompetent franchise for since 2006. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can just get behind just the fact that they you know they lost probably arguably their second best player buddy's probably out the door soon it's it hasn't been a good offseason for them and they really haven't added anything else other than being lucky that Halliburton fell to them at 12 so I can get behind that let's move on to give me your third team Anthony who do you have yeah the last team I got through on here was the was the Nuggets okay Um, you know, obviously they're way better than the Pistons and the Kings, but I just thought from a Western Conference standpoint, you know, you did lose. You know, we just talked about Jeremiah Grant going to the Pistons and that not being a great signing for them. You know, he is still a good player and he was a good rotational piece for them. Um, I just feel like they didn't do anything. You know, they were mm-hmm. very competitive in the Western Conference. Uh, granted, you know, it was a bubble atmosphere and everything. They do have Michael Porter Jr. who's been up and down, you know, so they're hoping he can rebound. But to see – the Clippers get better a little bit. The Lakers reload and get better. Uh, the Warriors, he- well, somewhat healthy this year. Uh, to see teams in the West kind of make moves, to be the only one that stand pat, I felt like, is kind of going to be tough for them. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, they've done nothing other than lose Grant. I know they did bring in Jermichael Green, but they were rumored to be in that Drew Holiday sweepstakes, and that would have been an amazing get for them obviously the price was really high but losing out on that is you know it hurts and I think now this team is just gonna have to rely on Jamal Murray continuing to take that next step and they're gonna need Michael Porter Jr. to step up so I think the lack of moves is concerning and maybe maybe even Bull Bull takes you know another step I would love to see some Bull Bull on the court but you know this is a team that we thought was or was very close to going to the conference championship or going to the NBA finals and they have not really made any upgrades. So we'll see what happens to them. Now uh, you go ahead, you went ahead and went over your list. I'm going to go ahead and go over my list. My first team I'm going to talk about is the Memphis Grizzlies. And I'm just surprised they haven't made a move yet. You know, they were literally on the fringe of being a playoff team, being the eighth seed you know, lost in a play playing game. And, you know, you have this young talent in John Morant, who's, you know, a superstar in this league. And you're a small franchise. You have to do something. Like, I know the clock, people might not think the clock starts this soon, but it does. It starts right away. When you have, when you're a small franchise in the NBA, you got to do everything you can when you have talents like this to keep them there. And obviously they're going to have him for at least seven years, but it starts from day one, you know, like we've seen, we've seen stories of like Gordon Hayward, you know, not necessarily the same guy as John Morant, but he felt the reason why he left Utah was because he was mad that Utah didn't offer him a max contract. um, When he was after his four years, he had to go to another team to get that. And the Utah Jazz ended up matching that. It's small things like that. You have to worry about when you're a small time franchise and they, they're lucky to have jaw. And they're lucky to have Jaron Jackson, who I think has the potential to be, you know, a unicorn type center. He's 
can switch onto perimeter guys. He can shoot the three and man, he's talented. If he can stop fouling, that's, that's a nice team. So I'm, I'm just disappointed that the Memphis Grizzlies haven't done any, any moves really. Anthony, any thoughts on Memphis? Yeah, they're, they're kind of a, they have great young pieces, like you said. And I think that's Jaron Jackson's nice, you know, John Morant. They got a lot of good guys that they can, they're going to be, it's just tough because especially being in the West, like if you're a Western conference team, and you're the Sacramento Kings, you're the Memphis Grizzlies, you're the OKCs. You got to figure out a how do you restructure a team? Whether it's if it's going to be through the draft, that's that's fine. But you got to realize players nowadays aren't as committed to staying long term as they used to be. Uh, if you're not willing to make a championship contending team uh, within the, a lot of time frame, it's going to be rough. Because uh, what you're going to see is like Devin Booker, for instance. He hasn't left yet. He signed an extension, but there's a lot of players that grow very dissatisfied. Uh, you know, he was very vocal about always being on a crappy team with the Suns and never making the playoffs. Players don't want to be a part of that. I think that, I think uh, the Grizzlies are building a good culture in terms of young core. It's just the problem is it's not an attractive landing spot for free agents to go to, uh, especially with the market being so low. So yeah, I don't know. They're, they're one of those teams that I was hoping they would do something because they were a fringe team. If Jaron Jackson doesn't tear his ACL, who knows? You know, that that playoff push that they were making was looking pretty underdog-like. But, yeah, I, I would have preferred to see them make some moves. We'll see. Maybe they can trade some of their picks, maybe some of their young assets. It's just hard because I just don't think anybody really wants to go to, to Minnesota. Exactly. Or, sorry, not Minnesota. Uh, Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, and that's <laughs> why they got to make these trades. They have to bring guys here through trades. And, yeah. I, Exactly. No one's going to join as a free agent, a premier free agent, go to Memphis to play with John Morant as good as he is. Um, you're going to, you have to make moves and they've done nothing. Maybe they have something in the works, but you can't waste any time with, you know, talented players like Jaws. So hopefully they, they do something. If they want to keep job. They got to be aggressive and hire someone at least to be competent enough to run that franchise. And Let's go to my final team. And it's not necessarily that they've had a bad offseason, but I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. And it's disappointing to me in the fact that, you know, they let Gordon Hayward walk away for nothing. And I know I've heard rambles that, you know, they still could potentially make that a sign and trade opportunity with the Hornets, but I really don't know who they would get back. But I know he's not worth the money per se, but they can't add anyone to replace him. They're this team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals and they can improve, you know, that spot they lost, that $34 million in salary that they could have traded if he signed with Indiana. They could have at least got Miles Turner back, something like that. But just not being able to lose, losing Gordon Hayward for nothing is a big loss for them. And I think, you know, they're going to, it just, it's not something that I think Danny Ainge usually is, you know, used to is, is being on losing side of something. So I, it, it just sucks losing, you know, when you're already over the luxury tax and you can't make moves, losing something like that hurts, you know, any losing an asset for nothing hurts. Uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think Gordon Hayward's a solid player problem is for him he was banged up so you know that that's kind of tough for him and he was making a lot of money I think the issue with the the Celtics is 
<clears throat> they never really retool. They, I feel like they have the same issues like every year and they always are good, but I just think that's more so of a indictment on the Eastern conference than it is, <clears throat> you know, the rest of the league. I just don't know with like Jalen Brown. He's a good player. You know, Marcus Smart's a good player. Tatum's a great player. Uh, I, I think the problem is sometimes some players just don't mesh well as a, you know, they might be good individual players, but the games that they have, sometimes it's better if you can kind of bring in players that can complement as opposed to kind of doing similar stuff. And I think that's kind of the issue that the Celtics run into every year. They got these guys that are great young players, but the problem is the floor spacing in Boston just doesn't feel normal because I don't think Jalen Brown's not really a knockdown spot up three-point shooter. Uh, you're not running them off a whole bunch of screens. Tatum's gotten better there. Marcus Smart's actually gotten a lot better with, from three, but they're most more so ball. I need the ball in my hands kind of, kind of team. So yeah, I, I feel like the Tristan Thompson move was good, was intriguing, but yeah, I don't think they really made a move where I'm like, you know what, you're going to be better than the heat or uh, even the bucks. Like, I think those are the two teams in the East right now that are the top two. Yeah. Just even if trading, if they were able to work out a sign and trade, get, you know, something back uh, it, it, cause yeah, losing an asset for nothing is, it's not, it's not good when you're a contending team like that. And, you know, I think they're still, they're still solid. They're still in a solid spot. They still got Tatum. They still got Brown Tatum. Tatum's a superstar in this league too. It just hurts losing, you know, players like that for nothing. Uh, when you're a team that's over the luxury tax, because that's your only way to improve is make trades. You can't really sign people other than, you know, your mid-level you can use on a Tristan Thompson, but definitely rough. Uh, and it's, it's rare we see Danny Ainge take an L. So that does it for, you know, our off-season review. Anthony, any last thoughts on uh, the off-season no, uh, stay tuned. Hopefully, Anthony Davis should sign his extension at some point in the next week. So I'm my finger crossed for that. But no, I'm excited to see the Lakers win it again this year uh, and see what the season has in store, see if there's any more trades out there. But no, it's going to be an interesting year, 72 games. Uh, hopefully, we get to see Olympic basketball. But yeah, with the offseason almost behind us, it's definitely been a wild one. Uh, but I'm excited to I'm excited to have basketball back so soon. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely excited for that as well. You know, December 22nd, we're less than a month away. So it should be good times. Uh, hopefully the Warriors can make a run at it this year. I think we'll see, you know, more of an aggressive stuff, something I was kind of looking forward to last year before the injury. And I guess, I mean, final thoughts. I know we – let's just talk about Boogie for a little bit. You know, of all situations, why did he have to go to Houston? Yeah, that was pretty bad. I – uh I don't get that move for him, for the Rockets. It, the problem is the Warriors signed him. Each, each time he's gone somewhere, it's been with the intent that he can be what he was. And that made sense for the Warriors. And then he got to play and then got hurt. And then he, the Lakers, it kind of made a little bit more sense too because he took, a, I think, a shorter deal. So it was kind of like, okay, let's see what you can do. But for the Rockets, they need actually – like the Warriors and – Lakers both saw Boogie as a nice to have, you know, someone that if he was going to be Boogie, oh my gosh, that would have been crazy for both those teams. But with the Rockets, they are not that great. Uh, they signed, and they signed Christian Wood. So 
I don't know what role they feel like Boogie's going to have. I know it's a one-year deal, but I thought for him, it would have made sense to go to a team that maybe was in the East, you know, that he can just ball out on mm-hmm. and just take as many reps as he wanted and had no pressure of making it to the playoffs. Um, Cause obviously going to the Rockets, he's kind of saying, I want to be on a playoff team, but not a championship level team. So I'm just not sure where his priority is. I would hope that it's just getting back into form and just playing, but it was just a weird move. I thought hopefully, hopefully they rescind it and he goes somewhere else better, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't know if he's just like, I don't know if he's a championship type player, but he's a good player. It's just a tragic story, you know, that he didn't get paid. And I wanted him to just go to a team where he can put up numbers and do a good job. And shoot, I don't know if he's ever going to touch the ball in Houston with, with Westbrook and Harden there. So Man, we'll see with Boogie, but I, yeah, that wraps up our NBA offseason show. I'm sure, you know, there's a chance that something happens tomorrow and makes this podcast irrelevant. And so, um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, we're excited that the NBA will be back in a month. And that does it for the Fantasy Dogs NBA Special Edition podcast.